You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey there, everybody. How's it going? Before we get started, I just wanted to make sure that you had a chance to listen to the special announcement that was a couple episodes back. I believe episode 114 was the the special announcement because we're giving away stuff and it's in conjunction with the podcast and newsletter and, and all this jazz. So if you haven't checked that out, you make sure and go back a couple episodes and listen. I don't want to rehash it here, but just want to make sure everyone has the opportunity to get in on the, the new thing that we're doing. So slide back there and check this out after you get done with this episode. Before we go too crazy off the deep end, I want to talk to you about Sinusoid. Sinusoid guitar cables. They've been with the show for a very, very long time, and I think that they're just the greatest. They're so awesome. And if you need instrument cables, and guess what? You probably do if you're listening to this podcast. you got to hit them up. They have a 100-year warranty. They make the best cables in the business, and they are some of the best folks around. And they also have a custom cable builder, which you can go right to their website, build exactly what you need, and put it together with the Neutrik ends if you want, whatever, your choice. It's dealer's choice. Or, well, they're the deal. I don't know how that works. Maybe not dealer's choice, but it's your choice. You can get whatever kind of color tech flex you want. You can get it with different colored cables underneath, different brands of cables, just everything. Anything you can imagine that would be available to customize on a cable, you can do it there. And it's all right on their website at sinusoid.com. So make sure and check them out. And we also have to talk to you about Gun Street Wiring Shop, the wonderful, wonderful Gun Street Wiring Shop out of Bend, Oregon, making custom wiring harnesses for your guitar. So you have, maybe you got an old Strat laying around and you just want to breathe some new life into it. There's an easy way to do it. It's almost like getting a whole new guitar with the, the sounds that you can unlock. Maybe you want to try some crazy... Series parallel switching thingy mabobber phase inversion something or other. That's where you go. You go to Gun Street Wiring Shop. You hit them up. If you don't see exactly what you need on the website, you email Sean and he will get you squared away with exactly what you need and has awesome customer service I know from experience because I had to use it because I'm not very handy apparently. Even though I'm kind of dumb, I was still able to get my harness installed with Sean's help and my Les Paul is sounding awesome now, so... Check them out, GunStreetWiringShop.com, and let them build the harness of your dreams. All right, without further ado, my guest today is none other than Mr. Jack DeVille from Mr. Black Pedals. We've been wanting to do this for quite a while. We were finally able to make the schedules align and make it happen. So enough preamble blabbering nonsense. Here is the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the ToneMob.com podcast, show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have a very special guest that we've been trying to get for a long time, Mr. Jack DeVille from Mr. Black. What it is, man. Yo, how's it going? You know, another day in paradise. Yes. <laughs> well, we did have a good time, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. That was great. Yeah. So this is another fortunate, like uh, a lot of you guys know that I usually do these remote, and this time we're, we're live and in person in the Shred Shed, so these are always... Kind of a treat and a little bit, a little bit more fun in a lot of ways. Face to face, man. Yeah, and less less worry about uh, about internet gremlins creeping in and destroying everything because yeah, that's this, always a little bit of a gamble. This should run smooth. <laughs> so yeah, I we talk all the time. A lot of people know that, and some people don't, but now they do. 
And but there's actually a lot of lot I don't know about you, uh, which is surprising for the amount of hours we've spent on the phone together. Well, it's a good thing. Yeah, retain <laughs> <laughs> some mystery. Keep, and... keep the mystery. So uh, I don't know. Like I don't really know how you got started. Like playing guitar. Like what got you interested in this stuff in the first place? It, it's a uh, not something we've ever talked about. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, wow. I guess I was 10. Um, and my sister had, uh, had a friend, Moy, um, a friend of hers. Like Anna's actually her name, but Moy, Moy means little sister in Chinese, I guess. Okay. At any rate, she had some brothers, Chris and Brendan. And we ended up getting arrested together years later. But they were like friends of mine, lived in the neighborhood or what have you. And those two got in a guitar. And so I got in a guitar as well because obviously I wanted to be like them. They were the cool, cool older like, you know, kids around or whatever. Um, and, uh, I ended up learning from their teacher, Robbie Dunbar was his name, um, initially. And then I don't remember why I stopped taking lessons with Robbie, but I started taking lessons with Doug Doppler, who now is like, uh, I mean, Doug's always been like a maniacal shredder, but now works, I believe with Orange and, you know, he's done guitar as his life. That's his, his job and, and career. Um, so I ended up learning from him and, with a heavy focus on theory and all that kind of thing, like just learn how to technique, you know, like alternate pick and do your modes and all the learning all that, that the really technical end of things. And that's kind of how I got into guitar. Um, and then, you know, like later, later teens, punk bands and all that kind of thing. You're playing in some like, uh, it seems like you were playing in like a lot of crust bands and things like that, if I yeah. remember. Yeah. When I was like later teens, that's kind of the crowd I ran with. It's like the crusties and those, those dirty grungy dangerous people <laughs> this is in, is in the bay area right yeah yeah this is berkeley oakland um and the east bay mostly i mean we, we played all all across the bay area but uh, mostly east bay which is is kind of an interesting departure because i know you as the big uh, the big hip-hop fan which is a yeah is, yeah. A, is a lot different than a crusty punk yeah, well, I mean, times change, and you know, you get older, and your friends die, or uh, get arrested, or get involved in all kinds of bad business. And honestly, sleeping outside sucks. I'm not gonna lie; <laughs> <laughs> like, it's weak. <laughs> Even in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it still rains and it's still cold, so it's you know that 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 lifestyle gets old. Mm-hmm. So you came up to the Pacific Northwest about what time? This was December twenty seventh, two thousand seven. Um, we came up here. I followed a woman up here, and uh, she lives in Louisiana now, because that's that's how you know life works. <laughs> but, <laughs> the way the cookie um, crumbles sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, she made her decision, as did I. And um, but yeah, I followed her up here in. Well, we kind of made the a trip in March. My friend Mike li- lives up here, and he'd been living up here since uh, 2000, I believe. Um, he was another dude I knew through the Bay Area punk scene, and, and we're good buddies. You know, he does a lot of the graphics for Mr. Black stuff. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, Mike Freeman, he's a tattooer. So if you come to Oregon and you want, like, a good tattoo, that's who you go to. All right. Um, it'll hurt, but, you know, Mike will <laughs> get it in there and make sure it's proper. Uh, regardless, uh, we came up in March 07 to visit Mike, and my sister uh, took a job up here out of college because she actually did all that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, came up and got, got tattoos from Mike and my girlfriend at the time, uh, Nancy. Nancy's her name. or Yeah, still is her name. Um, she kind of just was immediately like, yeah, I'm moving here and you can come or you can stay, but I'm moving here. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, that place, this place has that effect on people. It, it seems. It got me, man. I remember we went to dots like after getting tattooed and 
like we got some french fries or whatever it was like five bucks mm-hmm. and it did in the bay area that's just out you can't do that like that's that just don't happen right and it was like a whole plate i mean like a large <laughs> platter of french fries you know not some dinky little like 750 and it's like six little pieces of potato now this is like a whole thing you know mm-hmm. five bucks no tax or nothing i bought cigarettes and a gatorade and they gave me change and it was like a quarter or like it had a five at the end of it you're like whoa yeah it was like a normal number like it, i don't know so <laughs> I, I was an auto mechanic at the time and um you know looked into like uh what's the cost of living up here and like how much would i make as a tech um, and you know, it was slightly less, but the cost of living was like just a fraction of what it was in the Bay. And I'm like, this is crazy. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll move up here with you. So quit the band down there and then, uh, you know, saved up some cash and put everything in a U-Haul and we came up on the 27th, 2007. That's what's really interesting about you when I talk to you is, is you're like, yeah, I remember the 27th of 2007. And I'm like, Pfft. Like, I remember, yeah, it was like four, five, seven, 12 years ago. I don't know, something <laughs> yeah. like that. And you're, you're like on the dot with everything. It's, it's numbers, just numbers. Yeah. Everybody's got their things that they're like good at. You know, for me, it's numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. You're always blowing my mind. It's, it's code. It's simple. No, it isn't, Jack. I don't know what any of that I, is. I think it is, but I don't know. I've, I've learned everybody's kind of got their things that they're good at and things they're not good at. And right. Not everybody's good at everything. So I remember this is... I'm trying to, I'm not sure what year, but you, yeah, you'll probably remember what year, but like I, the, the first time I seen any of your stuff was through Andy doing some of the PGS demos, um, with when it was Jack DeVille. Oh, okay. Specifically. Yeah. Okay. I think the deuce coop is the first thing I seen was, was, uh, I, t- I don't remember what year that was, but deuce coop would have been I'm trying to think here, the progression through that, that was after mod zero. That was late. That was 11. Sounds about I believe right. it was like April 11. That period of time is like really messy um, in my life. So I don't have a date for that one because <laughs> it was just that that was some crazy stuff happening then. But that was April. I know it was April 2011. Is that anything you can elaborate on or is that best kept under the? Uh... Uh, no, we can talk about it. What um, was the what was going on? So, uh, like I said, I moved up here with a woman, but she lives in Louisiana now. So that kind of happened. Um, she decided that she needed to. uh pursue other ventures in life and obviously when you lose your partner you uh reevaluate your position in life drive on the wrong side of the road uh, engage in some pretty risky behavior and all that kind of thing and so i was drinking really heavily um, that's why i can't really put a date on it because it was i mean I'm, a, I'm not a big dude you know this we're sitting in front of each other we're mm-hmm. talking about weight earlier but at my size when you're knocking back fifth or two a day it's i mean that's your memory <laughs> blurs as it were right yeah, I mean, I think I think at that level, at a fifth or two, you're general. It doesn't really matter how big you are, uh, to some degree. That's just a lot. You get well, you build mm-hmm. a tolerance. You know, you knock, you drink like that, you can hit a pint and and still be okay. But after two of them or three, you're definitely, I don't know, it all blends together. That's gnarly, you know? man. That's real. That's so. That's like uh, that's like Lemmy level stuff right there. It was pretty hard, man. It was that was a uh, not a good time in life. Mm-hmm. You know. But I mean, the mod zero came out of that, and that was a pretty cool thing. That's insane. So during so that was 2011, and then there was a shift at some point. I mean, was it the, was it the Dark Echo that was the last Jack Deville? Quote the Deuce Coop was. The Deuce Coop was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was a shift from being a Jack Deville branded line to the Mr. Black branded line, and that's when I when things really seemed to take hold. Yeah. Um, what was what was that all about? If you can elaborate on that, uh, somewhat. Um, I'm somewhat legally bound, um, but basically, uh, Mr. Black was me running my own company um, and brand rather than working with somebody. Um, like, 
something I think a lot of people don't realize with the Jacksonville products is I lost my ass on those, like lots of money gone. Um, I'm, I was younger and, and more trusting um, and someone that uh, I knew, I uh, don't know them anymore, but saw an opportunity to um, make some money. And mm-hmm. so they did. Um, and after kind of going around and around with the lawyers and all that kind of thing, I realized it would probably be smarter to suck up the loss on the Jack Deville products and simply start a new line um, such that it would be impossible for any kind of subsequent like reparations or restitution to, uh, to take place, you know, mm-hmm. so they couldn't say like, oh, well, I helped build this company and now I want a piece when it's worth money and all that stuff. Gotcha. You know? After the fact type of deal. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of tough decision, obviously, to put your baby down. But, you know, at the same time, if your baby's dying, what you know, you can only hump the dream for so long. Right. And also if it's sort of somebody else has already put the bullet in it. To, yeah. To some degree. And there's like a liability there, you know, like, yeah. So that, that kind of, that was uh, beginning of 2012, January 31st, 2012. And what was the first Mr. Black product? That was the Superman. Superman. Yeah. Uh, May 5th, I believe, was when that was conceived and, and executed. I think the release was June 15th, 12, I believe. What was the process like for that? That that was pretty that was pretty unique. People weren't really doing that at the time. Yeah. So uh, interesting one there. Um, it's... I, funny story on the name too we can come back to that remind me about the, the name for that okay. there's a, a great story surrounding how that product got named um so at that time we're looking at like early 2012 late late 11 um i'm, I'm jack dying that brand is like you know kind of i think we hit the nam show uh in 12 and that was the last yeah we did and then that was the last last nam show and came back from that and i'm like oh this is awesome i owe like uh there's a a big number and a bunch of zeros like after that number of debt. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like not a good situation. And, um, I, I didn't really have any money or any of that stuff. So I was taking, I mean, I've always worked on contract for like anybody who will give me money. Like right. I just don't really care if you need something hard done, you know, who to call and they do. And so, uh, called me up and Nick, uh, he and I had been like talking and we'd work together on and off, since 08 in different like facets and and capabilities or what have you or what's the right word like quantities mm-hmm. something like that you know we work together in different ways capacities um, capacities mm-hmm. there, it there is. i go. should know that that's like capacitor right that's an electronics <laughs> term totally um so uh nick approached me and says like hey man um you know i, I need some help like designing this product i really want to really want to make this uh, echo rec you know and i didn't know what that was um, so he has one and he shows me this thing. And I remember he'd been working on this for years, like rebuilding this thing. And it was just a raggedy. An, an original one? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And okay. it was just, dude, I mean, dist- like the mechanicals are mostly there. But like he, I think he even rewound the motor. Like, it, I mean, it was pretty whooped. Yeah. Like everything in this thing. And he'd rebuilt it um, completely. But he didn't, he was having trouble kind of capturing what that was and putting it into a, you know, guitar pedal. And so he hit me and he's like, hey, I know you like, do programming and all that kind of fancy stuff. Like you think you could help us with this? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, sure. Um, what do you, what do you want to do? And we get together and kind of talk about the scope of the project and technology to be used. And, um, he shows me, you know, a, a couple different options and I don't like any of them cause I'm me and <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know yeah. how it is. Uh-huh. So, uh, we eventually settle and kind of figure out like, we're going to use this one part and, um, here's the, the limits within 
the, like the project, the scope of the project is defined and I'm like, all right, cool. Well, thanks for the job. And so I take off there and start working on that. And anyone who's ever worked with me knows I work like pretty fast, real quickly and accurately. Um, I mean, there's like, you look at the pedal shelf here and you'll probably find like 12, 15 different ones I worked on, um, but they happen really fast. And so this, the echo rec ends up like most of it gets knocked out really quickly. Mm-hmm. The part that I'm involved in. And so I'm left with like, all right, cool. So now I'm sitting around waiting for like revisions and, you know, what's got to come back um, and, and get like changed or updated, modified, all that kind of stuff. And so I start playing around with uh, the same part and I'm like, huh, well, this is neat. Oh, I didn't know I could do that and start, you know, goofing around making effects or whatever and knock out a few. And me and Nick are drinking one night at this little place called Vintage on, uh, I think it's like 80th and Stark maybe. I don't even know if it's still there. It probably is. But we're all, we're all hammered and I'm like... What, what, what am I going to make, man? And Nick's like, you know what you should make is a reverb pedal. I'm like, a reverb pedal? That sounds dumb. <laughs> Nick's like, no, it's it's really hard, you know? And for me, that's kind of a thing. Like, is it difficult? And then, then I want to do it. So he starts telling me, he's like, yeah, you should do like a, a modulated reverb pedal. I'm like, well, that don't make no sense. For one, reverb doesn't happen in guitar pedal format. For two, reverb doesn't modulate. Like, these are things that don't happen naturally. And just, I don't, you know, I'm very logical. So this is not stuff uh, I can think whatever occur so you don't have anything to model it off of and this is also on the heels of coming off the echo rack and like here's a physical device that we want to replicate the sound of you know figure right, it out right right this is just freeform and make it up regardless start pursuing it a little bit and end up coming up with super an algorithm um show it to nick and he's like man this sounds pretty good dude like i don't know this is uh this is really special cool it's like what are you gonna do with it you want to sell it no no i think i'm gonna make it and so that kind of birthed that uh that project and and i guess the mr black line that was the first one superman started it all see i I didn't know that for some reason in my head it was the dark echo but yeah no that's a that was the first like guitar pedal i designed from ground up but that was 08 i mean that was like a long time ago that was 35th street and in the upstairs apartment i've got one of those yeah Mm -hmm. that was like those are handmade hand soldered all that stuff you know like real chore to make those things but at least in that style, you know. We can come back to that in a little bit, but I I would don't want to get too far away from the Supermoon name before we oh yeah go there. So this thing didn't have a name. Um, this is you know cool sounding guitar pedal. Um, I you know had done the layout on the Echo Rec and kind of like the way that they wanted to uh, to make that thing. So I'm like, well, I bet I could do that for for me, but different, you know. And now I'm not limited by like someone else's. Um, design requirements so I can do it the way I want, like put the power jack where I want to put the power jack mm-hmm. you know, on, the, on the right side. That's how I think it's input. So all the inputs are on the right side. The echo rec, if you look at it, the power's on the left side. Okay. And gotcha. That's an output because I, you know, that's the side that it comes out of. Anyway, without those limitations, I'm like, I can do this my way. So do the layout and, and the back end of the whole thing. And it's basically done except the name. I can't think of this. Right. So it's uh Cinco de Mayo, my friend Sarah's birthday. Um, and, She's having a party, um, and it just so happens to also be a supermoon that particular night. Now, for whatever reason, I have never heard this term. Okay. I don't know what supermoon is. So, uh, you know, I go to this party, and this is 12. Yeah, so I'm still seeing Victoria, um, and we're having fun and, and drinking and all that stuff, like, you know, late 20s crowd does or whatever, and Everybody's running around this party. Oh, yeah, this is a good little side note. My buddy Ian shows up, and he's kind of a loose cannon. So um, 
he starts like lighting off fireworks and all this nonsense in the house. And like, it's a total disaster. It sounds like guns and bombs and all that stuff's going off. And similarly, um, Ian brings out this like can of, uh, or not can, but a little jar of like ghost pepper sauce or one okay. of those, like, what's the next one? Scorpion pepper. Yeah. The scorpions are hot. Yeah. Whatever. Like the crazy one is. And, um, Sarah had this cake. I, I believe it had like a raspberry, uh, some kind. I mean, it was a nice cake. Don't get me wrong. Someone made it for, her, I believe. And, and it had like a nice raspberry kind of thing on the, um, like a, like almost like, like ketchup, but it's sweet. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. Dressing totally. on top. Yeah. I got you. It looked just like this, uh, spicy sauce. <laughs> so Ian being Ian, of course, like douses the cake in this and everybody's screaming at this point cause their mouths are on fire at the same time that all this pandemonium is happening. People are also running around yelling super mood, super mood. That's what I thought they were saying, right? Super mood with a D at the end. Oh. And I'm like, everybody's happy. This is awesome. I can't believe it. It's stupid me. I didn't know it was a super moon. Okay. And I didn't realize <laughs> that, you know, this is happening. This is a super moon, right? Not super mood, but I thought everybody was in a good mood. And then this cake is going on and everybody's happy. Super mood is what I thought they were saying. Turns out it's super moon. I'm like, what is this nonsense? I look outside and I see the moon. It's, you know, big or whatever. It's the moon. I mean, let's be real. Like it, it it's still there. I mean, it'll be there sometime soon. I'm like, that's a pretty cool name. And, you know, the light bulb goes off, Mm -hmm. and then there you go. There you go. Boom, there it is. Nice. That is funny. (laughs) You have a lot of those stories. And then all of a sudden people are running around, and I don't know what's going on. (laughs) I'm like, I don't even know. Like, I'm such such an old man, like, ever since I've been, like, 20, I've been an old old person. I'm like, I don't want to go to a party. Like, leave me alone. I'm home. Oh, similarly. Eat a cheeseburger or something. That same house, man. I I took Nick to a a party there one time, and we're up in the basement with with Nick and Steph, and Nick's like, we got to leave. And I'm like, why? And he's like, we're going to die in here, dude. Like, this is totally unsafe. Like, there's one exit. We're in a basement. If this place catches on fire, and I'm like, you're too old for this, man. (laughs) That's what it is. Yeah, I think I'm I'm a little more like that. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to. But times, I mean, you've texted me before. You're like, hey, Rob and I are eating, like, like Keely was in town and you're like, oh, yeah. you're like, and I'm like literally like grilling something for dinner already. You're like, you got to come down. I'm like, I'm too old. I'll see you guys later. Like <laughs> it happens. I mean, I, you know, we all mellow out. I don't really go to parties like that anymore. That was, that was years ago. Mm-hmm. So we did the super moon. Uh, and then was the dark echo the next thing to come back no. into the line? No, that was the tunnel worm. I believe was the next one. Okay. On the Interesting. List. Yeah. And that was kind of just to prove that, that I could do it again, you know, because mm-hmm. nobody, nobody, now they do through zero flangers, but you know, you, you got to look at this. Like when the mod zero came out, that was late 10, NAMM show 11, there was the Fox rocks and there was the flanger hoax. And there may be another one, but I believe both of those were like out of production and or extremely difficult to find. And so nobody was doing through zero flangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's kind of what made the mod zero cool. And it was analog and all that hoopla or whatever, but that's up for debate anyway on that topic. Regardless, um, Tunnelworm was more just to prove that, you know, check it out. Did this cool reverb, I can do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, look, do another through zero flanger. The Tunnelworm is, because I never did get to see one of those in person. Is that digital or analog? Uh, that's a DSP. Okay, that's it is. That's a DSP. Interesting. Yeah. That's why it was 179 instead of like 250 or 280 or whatever the mod zeros were. Gotcha. And why I didn't lose money on that and why I could keep making pedals on like the Jack DeVille stuff, which, you know, didn't didn't work quite the same. <laughs> so let's, uh, I mean, I because these, I know you get this question all the time and you've explained it to me, but maybe you can explain it to other people. The Shepherd's End is 
probably my favorite flanger that that I've ever played. Yeah, that's cool. And so, what's the difference between the tunnel worm and the shepherd's end? I know that's a common question. Yeah, lots, um, a lot. Uh, for one, I believe that's the only. No, I guess now Jamie did it too. He got him a um, sh- like a shepherd oscillator in the pyramids pedal. Okay. Regardless, the the shepherd's end was. 15, I believe. It sounds eight, about eight, right. 15. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at that time, that was not ever been done in guitar pedal, uh, like a, a shepherd oscillator, you know? Um, Rob, actually, Rob Keeley sent me some papers uh, about a, some college kids that actually figured out the same process around the same time, but they're in Denmark and there was just theory and all that stuff. It was interesting to see like the same diagrams in each, uh, in their like published paper and then my notebooks. But regardless, the... Uh, Shepherd's End is a, a, it's a flanger, so it's, you know, a, a delay line that's that's changing. Um, like, th- the time of the delay is changing, but it changes in a way that it doesn't have a end, so to speak. So, like, a, the, the, the tunnel worm is going to modulate around a given time. Really, it sets an upper and lower bound, the way the controls are set, on where the times are going to vary from. Mm-hmm. So they might be, you know, well, that's a through zero, so it may be even advanced beyond the, um, you know, static delay line so the static ones that say one millisecond it may actually get to uh, a quarter of a millisecond um, as the upper bound and then all the way out to maybe eight millisecond at the uh, lower bound the shepherd's end on the other hand continually sweeps um, upward downward or it can continually crest through the middle it's an interesting like way the whole thing works it's i mean too complicated to to yap on on this one plus it'd really be better with like uh, visual Drawing. representation yeah. as well. I remember that's how you explained it to me the first time. It's the only reason I was able to fully grasp it. But like, yeah, it, it pictures help a lot. Um, regardless, uh, it's a. I mean, that one's a, a shepherd oscillator. So really, it's three delay lines that are all kind of working together in tandem simultaneously. While the tunnel worms two, um, one static and one modulated, and then similarly, there's. Um, the subtractive process of the tunnel worm compared to the additive process of the shepherd's end, the standard shepherd's end. So instead of like subtracting whatever the modulated delay line is from the static, as in the tunnel worm and many popular um, outboard flangers, you know, pedals or whatever, uh, the shepherd's end adds them together. So it creates a different sound at the end of the day, um, but technologically very, very different. Right. Thank you for that. That's interesting. Um, got a lot of questions okay so yeah well normally i would just keep going but i i was i wanted to check on this facebook thread and see what people were were chiming in on so let's uh what here's a good one uh jonathan diaz wants to know what was your favorite pedal to design and conversely which was the biggest headache jonathan diaz is his name yeah uh so jonathan diaz um i think it was the shepherd's end was the most fun uh, that's the one i'm probably most proud of uh, that's just it I mean, it's very hard to put it lightly. Um, simply understanding the, the process is difficult and then executing it is even more difficult. Um, so that was, which one, what was the question again? It was, uh, what was your favorite one to design and then which was the biggest headache? Uh, the Shepherd's End, I'd say on both of them. Both of them, both favorite of them. and yeah. biggest headache because yeah. you like the challenge. Love it. Yeah, yeah, that's the only reason I'll bother. If it's hard, then you like it better. Yeah, yeah, always. Um, Let's, uh, here's a good one. Luke Glover wants to know what, what is your favorite non-Mr. Black pedal? Oh, that's an easy one. Um, the Maxon 8999. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really, really nice delay pedal. Analog delay. Yeah. 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 I can't even see why we make delay pedals at all with that thing around or anybody does. It's really, it's, that's just great. I've never played one. What do you like so much about it? 
it's just it does everything right. Like it, it, you play that thing, and you're like, oh, that's I wouldn't change anything about that at all. That's what it's supposed to sound like. Type it's, of deal. it's perfect. Yeah, like know. it's really rare, I think, to encounter something that you you wouldn't want to change. You know, like especially with like guitar stuff. You know, you maybe get right. a new guitar, you want to put different strings on it. You never pick one up. And you're like, this is perfect as it is. That's and, well, especially not you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I, one, I know. Perfect. Flawless yeah. execution. I need to get one of those. You've you've talked about it in several different places, but uh, there's a reason. I mean, it's that good. It's expensive, but it's worth it. So there's a there's an interesting question. I'm not really sure if there's. Yeah, this is actually. I am curious. I've never never really thought about this, but Emilio Rizzo wants to know who is Mister Black. Like, and I'm thinking that means like where did that come from? Like, oh, like where the origins of the name, the name and the brand, because it is kind of a character. Yeah. So around that time that that end of January 12, uh, like I said, I had this girlfriend, Victoria, and I knew I needed to do something new. And so we're, we're walking around the neighborhood. I lived on the 35th and Hawthorne in, in Portland here. And um, we're walking through the neighborhood and I'm like, man, I got to gotta do a new brand, you know? And uh, I don't know what to, to do or what to name it. I had a few like ideas kicking around. So she's like, let's take a walk. So this is like, a, you know, but January day in Oregon, but it's sunny, but it's mm-hmm. cold. We're walking through the neighborhood and smoking some cigarettes and just being me and her, which was like a volatile, fun combination. Um, and I don't know where it came from, but I like looked down on the gutter and I'm like, huh, what if I just call it Mr. Black? And she just looks looks at me like dead in the eye. And she's like, you already know the answer there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, done deal. There we go. That's it. So the, you know, you, you just kind of thought of it sort of, sort of randomly, but then it, does seem to like the brand kind of has developed into like a kind of like a character, a person on its own. Is that intentional or is that just kind of how things shook out? This is kind of how it shook out. I mean, you know, anybody that knows me knows I'm usually wearing black, Mm -hmm. um, if not entirely like 90%, you know, I mean now I got, I think I got a white shirt on, right? Yeah. But it's an undershirt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jacket's like pretty dark blue, practically black. Everything else is. So it kind of works there. Um, but it just kind of worked, you know. Just kind of took on took on its own thing. It fit in fit in with your personality a little bit, and yeah. also kind of developed into its own monster in the in a lot of ways. Yeah, and there's a certain level of ambiguity there as well, you know, which is I I really like, you know. Leave it up for interpretation, basically. Yeah, it can be whatever you want it to be. Exactly. Type of deal. Yeah, that's really really interesting. Um, another question that was in the group from a. a you know, good friend of the show, and I know you know you'll probably know this name too, Dustin Babitsky. Oh yeah, yeah, he's yeah. A, he's Thank a, you, Dustin. Oh, yeah, Dustin's a, a firm supporter for quite a number of years. Yes, he's he's awesome. Uh, he wanted to know, and I I mean we've talked about this at length. How come your stereo pedals sound better than most other people's stereo pedals? Oh um, well, I mean there's a lot there. For one, we just make better stuff. Um, you know, I mean not to go too far off on the horn, but designed by. <laughs> one of the best if not the best in the game so there's that um but there's also part selection plays a really i mean outside of the the actual um design of the circuit and algorithm and control system and all the rest of the nonsense there um, part selection plays a really big role um you know it's not they're not arbitrarily selected parts they are very specifically selected for their the way they sound um above all all else you know um, the layout plays a really big part as well. Um, I remember talking with Jamie years ago about this is at the NAMM show 15, maybe 
Yeah, I think I was rolling that. Jamie from Earthquaker. Right? Yeah. Okay. I think that was the, the Calvin Klein suit year. Um, I think it was a gray one. But either way, we were talking. No, that was a black one during the day. That was a black pinstripes. Um, but we were talking about uh, layout, and he was having some trouble with an early revision of the Rainbow Machine or recounting it. It had been out for a bit. And he tore down a, a Mr. Black pedal and, and solved his problem, um, which, as he, I remember, was a, a noise issue. And it was it came down to the layout and the way the thing was grounding. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things I really like to do. Um, and I think I do a pretty good job with it, too, as Dustin noted. You know, they sound good. Um, layout plays a huge role in how the finished product is going to perform and sound. Um, and there's, you know, I don't want to call it tricks, but, you know, it's an art form in and of itself. And like any art, like once you know the rules and know what you can and can't do, then you can break and bend them tastefully to achieve the results that you want. Okay. And so... In short, like to answer Dustin's question, they sound better because they're just well-designed. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're intended to sound how they do and sound good. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, don't particularly like things that don't work well. Um, I really this, don't like things that don't work well. Yeah. It really they, bothers you. Yeah, they really get under my skin. Um, Doesn't matter if it's a guitar pedal or whatever it is. No, anything that, that performs poorly, it just really upsets me. Um, and I won't name any names a while back. I, I was, it was power out and I was bored at home and there was only one pedal I had that had a battery and uh, I didn't know I couldn't play it because the amps are all down there's no power or nothing but start monkeying around with it and I found some bugs in it and they're a friend of mine um, so I hit him up and was like hey dude why is this you know messed up and he didn't know it was there uh, and I was like dude you gotta fix this this is crazy like you have to fix this it's driving me crazy he's like man I've sold a bunch of those and nobody's ever found that and nobody knows it's there like how'd you find that I'm like I don't know it's just this is making me insane please <laughs> it's make not working this so it doesn't have this exhibit this behavior um so in short yeah i mean things that don't work i was really upset that night i mean alcohol helps too but i, I was pretty upset about that so yeah i mean anything that don't work right just gets under my skin yeah it's funny you've, you've let me know before and i'm like like that's not yours why do you care <laughs> i don't know it just you know it's one of those like people have their things that like they I are drawn to or, or get upset about and that's one of them if anything doesn't work well i'm like this is not right so one thing i wanted to ask you because we we have somewhat similar backgrounds in our initial career choices uh I, you were in auto and i went into heavy equipment initially yeah we both ended up going down radically different paths in the same industry and what but and i think mine makes a lot of sense to me but yours how you went from wrenching to being kind of the the go-to hired engineer guy when it wasn't like your formal education or your formal thing how do i mean what how does one go from a to b you just it's it's a it's a that's part of the story i'm not quite following i've gotten that question a lot through the years because uh yeah i'm not college educated or even high school educated you know and to me it it's a, a really simple straightforward logical process right like in auto i mean i stand five five on a good day we were just talking about this. I'm 116 pounds today. I'm not exactly big physically. So I got stuck doing electrical and drivability, which is difficult um, and sucks as an apprentice because it's really hard. Um, but as you get better at it and you're a journeyman, it's awesome because then you're like sitting clean mm-hmm. uh, with totally. a computer in your hand figuring out what is wrong with the car. And it's like one little sensor somewhere that's easy and you get paid really well to do that. While the other guys that are doing heavy duty are out there breaking their backs, you know, pulling out trannies and all that nonsense. Um, the progression was simple. I mean, like 
any uh, car's a machine, right? And mm-hmm. so any electronic device is a machine. Computer's a machine. You'll hear people call PCs machines all the time. Totally. For whatever reason, they don't say that with Apple products because they have their own whatever thing. Um, but they're machines. And so if you can troubleshoot one machine, you can probably troubleshoot another, provided you know the basic fundamentals of troubleshooting. Um, so it's not that far of a leap to go from automotive electronics to consumer electronics or audio, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, I don't know, I don't remember why you got out of heavy machinery, but look at old mechanics. <laughs> Dude. Like, they're just beat down, man. They, I mean, it's, yeah, and it's it's even worse in in some ways in the, the heavy equipment guys. I mean, they gen- tend to get paid a little bit better. Yeah. But you're also, I mean, you're dealing with, you know, you might have a transmission in a car that's a few hundred pounds. You're talking about transmissions that could be, you know, in heavy equipment that could be several thousand pounds depending on what kind of thing you're doing i think i mentioned this two years ago like when i moved up here i was looking for work as a tech and one of the jobs that was available was a diesel mechanic and so it was actually not too far from where we're at right now but i remember going there and applying and you know i got all my ascs and all that stuff so they're like cool we can take you on have a look at the the product you know and it's like cat caterpillars these big ass things and like Mm -hmm. you're saying like i saw the transmission i'm like Hell nah. That thing's like four times the size of me mm-hmm. and like easily seven times my weight. Like I understand you're going to have tools and, and jacks and all that nonsense to move it. At the same time, like no way, dude. Like I can't do that. That's too heavy. And that and yeah, that's that was my world. And I seen some crazy things in that in that world where they weren't supposed to do this. And the guy was insane in my book because a like. Yeah, he got paid decent, but not enough to do what he did. So he, they were trying to calibrate the some hydraulic motors on a dozer, and he, in you know, you know, you can you can put the rear forks down and you can put the front blade down and lift the whole machine up off the ground yeah. so that you can run the tracks at speed and it's not going to go anywhere because it's not touching anything. Yeah, this crazy guy crawled under the thing while the tracks are running at full speed. You guys can't see it, but my eyes just got huge. Yeah, yeah, they did. He looked like he about to come out of the chair. <laughs> so he's got one guy up running the controls, and he's got the tracks maxed out, and he's got his little laser gun underneath to check each side where he needed to check it, which is not the procedure. That's not what you're supposed I'm sure to it would do. Work, but yeah. that sounds really dangerous. It was super dangerous, and he's like, "Come on, guys, stop being wimps!" And he, he and we were all like, "What?" And he just crawled under. I mean, dude was like 23. Well, like dude, that could have been it. Yeah, you know? real fast. I mean, just get your shirt snagged on yeah. one of them and... Pfft, yeah, done. You're lucky to come up with one arm. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was it was insane. And so I, I seen some of that stuff, and uh, it wasn't expected or required, but still, there was like this machismo thing. Oh, yeah. In that, especially in that business, to some degree, where it's like, oh, just just grab it and do it, you know? And in then auto, they, dude. I remember seeing this one... Busted. Fuck- uh, what's that? No, those people just end up busted. Like, yeah, man. This, totally. This dude I used to work with, Leo. I remember this distinctly. We're at the the old S hole, was what we called that shop. But uh, he'd pulled a motor out of a CRV. This is like a, I don't know, ninety eight CRV, something like that. So the motor's sitting on the subframe, and he's got to move it because I don't remember what he was doing, probably oil pan or something like that. And for whatever reason, on those cars, it's easier to like just drop the whole front of the car, the subframe, and all that oh, nonsense. Oh yeah. I yeah. So he's like, come on, give me a hand. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, come on, we're going to pick this up. I'm like, are you out of your mind? That's an <laughs> engine, dude. He's like, it's just a four banger. I'm like, it's a motor, dude. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not picking that up. And there's a cherry picker right next to him. Right, right. I'm of like, use that. I'm pointing at it, right? And he's like, 
well, come on, don't be a weenie. I'm like, uh, forget it. Talk to somebody else. I ain't even trying to do all that. There's chains and, and a cherry picker, dude. I'm not picking that thing that's up. That's what that's for. Yeah. You know? it, specifically, mm-hmm. his thing was, <laughs> it would be faster. I'm like, maybe. I'm paid by the hour. Like, well, that was flat rate, but <laughs> oh, still, flat I'm like, rate, right. uh, it ain't going to be faster if I throw my back out and I'm out for three weeks, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I've seen that all the time. I mean, and, and yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for guys that work in that industry because I know how difficult it is. But I, I kind of seen the same thing you did. And I was like, ooh, everyone's everyone who's over 50 and has done this for any length of time tends to be pretty busted up. Oh, not, yeah. not universally. There were some guys that were smart and took care of themselves, but there was a lot more that were all messed up. Most and, of them. And had no problem just bathing in brake clean. And I'm like, that can't be good for you. That was a trip too, getting out of that and suddenly not being sick and having rashes and all that stuff all the time. <laughs> right. It was, it took me a bit to figure it out. I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm not covered in tranny fluid. Mm-hmm. Huh. Wild. No rashes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't have to wash myself in gasoline to get the grease off of myself. And it should tell you something. Like, you put your gloves on or whatever, and whatever chemicals you're touching, the fluids and all that are like melting your gloves off of you. Yeah. Like, that's getting in my skin. I don't know if that's a good thing. You no, know? Probably not. You know, we sound, we probably sound like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what we sound like to some people, but I recognize the same things you did. And it was, it wasn't the prime, because I, I do like wrenching. Like, I do like working on cars. It's it's still something I enjoy. But it's, it's like, it kind of became pretty clear. Like, if I want to have a have a spine that works when I'm old, I probably should get into a different thing. Yeah. Um, But, you know, from time to time, I still like to spin spin wrenches once in a while. It's okay. I, I try to avoid it now just out of pride. But I don't know. I kind of said to, said to myself when I got out of it that I'm like, I'm never doing this again, ever. You know, how long did you do it? Eight years. Eight years. Okay, that's about what I did too. Eight I get years. Out. When I was twenty-eight. No more than that. Well, cars for eight, and I was working on small machines and like pressure washers and all that stuff for maybe two before that. Like from when I was like eighteen or whatever till twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, and not that you necessarily want to uh, create, you know, create mounds of competition for yourself, um, but like. If you, if any, there's like some smaller builders that are looking at trying to, you know, take a leap or, uh, you know, move forward out of the garage, so to speak. Like, do you have any tips for people kind of starting out? Grow a pair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just do it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Do it. Trust yourself. Uh, be good. Also, that helps. Um, and do it. You know, there's mm-hmm. not. I don't know, man. I mean, you know, I'm at the end of the day it's a business that's one thing you really got to keep in mind is like you're going into business um treat it any other way and don't expect to uh support yourself with it um at the same time it's you know it doesn't cost a lot to get into making guitar pedals on a small scale on a large scale it totally changes mm-hmm. um and it's a business i mean you you got to treat it like that and unless you're bringing something good to the table uh it's been done you know and even if you are bringing something good to the table, it's kind of been done. So you really got to be sharp, um, good at it, and believe in yourself, man. I mean, there's nothing beyond that that I can really think. Like, you just got to go for it mm-hmm. and don't stop. Just do it. Yeah. And, and you know, do it like it's a, she let you take her home on the first date and you want a second one, you know? <laughs> like, you really got to put the work in. So do you have any, uh, do you have anything? Other than obviously, you know, some things you alluded to earlier, the business deals didn't go quite the way we want it. Do you have any kind of 
mistakes or regrets that you that you could you know advise somebody about in what facet like life no well i mean that's if you want to go there we could do that i was more thinking the business side of things in business um yeah don't take partners ever Uh, i'm not a fan of partners i don't see a reason for that Uh, i see that as a sign of weakness but that's just me um definitely uh develop a team and recognize what you are good at and what you're not good at but i cannot see a reason for partners um what was the other side of that? What was the rest of the question? Just, it was just basically, were there any mistakes that you you kind of experienced yourself that you could save somebody else the pain? Um, yeah, listening to other people's input and taking it as solid. Like, if you think, trust your gut, basically. Mm-hmm. If you think it's a good idea, it's probably a good idea. And if you really believe in it, you'll make it happen. Um, and be willing to take that risk. You know, be able to say, I was wrong also. Gotcha. Do you have anybody in the industry or otherwise that kind of that helped you out or give you a, a kick start, so to speak, or did you just kind of scrap your way through it? No, um, everybody gets help here and there. I mean, I'd like to believe that that I've done okay for myself, but you know, a lot of it's just me, but not exclusively. That would be ignorant um, and really myopic and self centered to think. Um, I mean, obviously, my guys. You know, I couldn't do it without them. They're they're kind of backbone of the whole thing um nick definitely helped help out um when he was around i remember mr black had barely been going and he kind of introduced uh his crowd to it um you know said like hey check it out my buddy jack's doing this thing and that helped out cool um sean at love pedals really helped out quite a bit as well um just been generally supportive and a good friend as well you know um turns out me and him are a lot more alike than we even initially realized who else, man? I mean, the list goes on. Jamie's been really helpful, um, and Julie at Earthquaker. Uh, Juan, Juan's been really helpful as well. He really liked that funk and and really helped us with that one. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's that's a, a whole a whole host of people. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I could think of more, but I'd need time or whatever. Yeah, that's a it's interesting because yeah, I think this is a this is a sort of unique business in in that regard. And we've talked about it on this show a lot with a lot of people that that's, I feel like I haven't worked in just a ton of different industries, but I feel like it's the level of collaboration and kind of camaraderie is a lot higher than what it would be in other things. Is that your experience too? Or what do you think? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I think there's enough, enough pie on the table for everybody to get a piece. Everybody that's just deserving as it were, that's a kind of selfish and, and, you know, superior thing to say, but Anyone that's like put the work in and tries, you know, there, there's enough for all of us. There's no need to be uh, super mean and selfish. Right. And I do find that, that in general, folks can be, you know, helpful, pretty helpful um, with whatever it may be. If it's a technical thing, that's usually my end. And if it's a people thing, that's, you know, other people's ends. Um, right. You know? Mm-hmm. So I'd say, yeah. So this is something that you've you've probably been... I know you've had requests over the years, but like I know like two years ago, you and I talked about you making an amplifier, and yeah. it sounded like the craziest thing that I'd ever heard of. So yeah, I don't know if we want to talk about that, how much you can reveal, or if that's ever going to happen. But I think it will in time. Um, I got the like technical, well, the chassis sketched out or whatever. It's a tricky one. Um, at the end of the day, like I have an amp that I, I really, really like, and it's kind of like the Maxon delay, where it's like you just can't do better. Why even try? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, that amp's a high watt DR504, which is just a 
if you've never played a high watt, uh, don't because it'll just ruin <laughs> everything for you. Like nothing competes. It's, they're in a class and league and world of their own. Um, with that said, that amp is only 50 watts. And my main guy, Justin, is like me in a lot of ways, and specifically this one. He likes really powerful amps, and I do too. Uh, I like them really hard is how I describe them, um, and loud and powerful. Um, and that high watts awesome and does all those things, but it's only 50 Watts. And, you know, some people would say that's a lot. Some people would say that's a little, I think it's like a comfortable, what's the right word? Like medium caliber amplifier. Okay. Um, but it's only 50. And as a result, it does distort when you get it loud. Um, there's a limit to how loud I can turn that thing all the way up and I'm like, Oh, this could be louder, you know? Um, <laughs> But it's only 50 watts. I keep coming back to that because it's only 50 watts. And mm-hmm. I really want that amp to be about 400 watts. So <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, yeah. Of clean power. That's the thing with that high watt. Like, I'm pretty... They say it's 50. I bet you it's probably... I haven't done, like, the load testing calculations, but I bet you it's kicking out about 70 before it starts clipping and then probably hits 85 or something like that by the time it's on, like, full tilt roaring. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I forget. I always forget that that's how amps work. Yeah. They, they, I mean, you know, it's an approximate measurement or whatever and depends on the, a lot of variables. Right. With that said, I want that thing to be 400 watts clean power. So, like, basically, you can't turn it up to get it to distort and it be re- in any way, shape, or form reasonable or unreasonable. Like, that's just absurd. Um, so, the, the dream there is to make more or less an amp that, that not sounds like that amp, but delivers all the qualities of it, which is just awesome hard instant fast powerful response but is so loud that you would never ever want to turn it up ever right like halfway yeah halfway is like way beyond the sane would this be would this have like a half power switch or anything you just let it no i don't even want like tone controls on it i only want a volume control and the only reason (laughs) it's so gnarly yeah and the only reason for that volume control is so that you weren't running it wide open all the time because there are times when like 400 is going to be too much. And instead of having to rely on like outboard, um, like whatever's feeding it, say a volume pedal at the end of the chain, mm-hmm. you know, having some kind of way to, to dial it back without the risk of like bumping the volume pedal or nudging your guitar volume or whatever. Um, you know, that, that one control is all I want on that amp. And you're talking 400 Watts. Oh, actually, this would be a good question. Cause I actually don't know the answer to this and this is a totally different segue, but I was going to say this is 400 watt all tube. Yeah, yeah. So here's my question to you, because I, and I don't know why I've never asked anybody this before. How come most of the time when you're talking about solid state amps, so I've got like a 120 watt cr- crate over there. Yeah. Just a cheap, you know, old amp. And I've got a, you know, a 100 watt Marshall clone. Why is the, the tube louder? Why is it so much louder? The best solution I've ever heard to that, uh, I don't know, so we'll put that disclaimer out first, but I have my beliefs, and this is my belief. When a, assuming that that wattage is equal, um, when you drive, this this is the other side where I was saying like it's probably 50 watts clean or 60 watts clean and then before onset of clipping and then it keeps going into 75, 80 by the time it's full bore and ripping. Right. Um, So when a, Solid state, by definition, is going to be um, like transistorized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when a transistor saturates, it, it literally, I mean, pull up a data sheet and look how it works. You know, it's pretty pretty straightforward. It, it cuts off hard. Um, it's like, the, it, what do they call it? Like a piecewise function? Like it goes up to a point and then it flattens out. 
A tube, on the other hand, as it begins to reach its point of saturation, doesn't do it abruptly. It does it at, at a soft angle. This is like where people are like, oh, it's soft clipping or whatever BS they like to say their favorite little dirt box has. That That's why it sounds like a tube amp, right? Right. But it, there's something there in that it doesn't just saturate and completely shut off. Now, full saturation, yes, a tube will, but right during that transition, it's not a sharp um, line like it would be with a transistor. So if you take that same concept and put it to a speaker, right? A speaker, the typical like a loudspeaker, you're sending a pulse of electricity to drive this magnet back and forth. What's going to happen when that cutoff happens is you're saturating your, your transistor, what's driving the uh, the speaker, the loudspeaker, so that voice coil as it's moving basically can no longer like develop speed and okay. it's what's the right way to put this like it's gonna hit that that wall instantly where a tube is going to slowly uh hit that wall so imagine the speaker is moving back and forth and it moves all the way to its fullest travel and stops dead and then it moves back to its full travel and stops dead where a tube it's going to move and then start to slow down right before it hits its full travel okay does this make sense at all it does yes okay so um as that begins to happen, like, because it's not st stopping so abruptly, um, I, I believe that it's actually pushing a little more, more volume, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not stopping. So the sound wave that it's generating isn't just uh, being abruptly ceased in movement. Still it's, pushing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I've, I've wondered that before. I remember, actually, I, I, the first time I plugged into a 15 watt, like tiny terror or something. And I was like, why is this almost as loud as my 120 watt stupid crate thing over yeah. there? Like this doesn't make any sense, but that's my theory. I don't know. I remember years ago when I was gigging in San Francisco. I used to play with this one band pretty frequently. And at the time I was rocking a PV bandit. Cause that's all I could afford. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it sounded pretty good. Anybody who's had one of those knows like, Hey man, they, they sound good. And if you want to do some death metal, look no further. Yeah, exactly. Um, regardless, uh, he had a, a pentatone pv pentatone um and that thing was way louder both are 100 watt amps and i remember talking with him one time he's like yeah if you want to be heard at the back of the club you got to get a tube amp and that was like his whole thing which you know th there's a lot to that but he's right their 100 watt tube is notably louder than mm -hmm. 100 watt solid state yeah and i believe again it's because it doesn't cut off the power to the speakers abruptly that makes that does make sense i still can't imagine what 400 watts would do it's great. Having cranked a, a 120 watt in my house and shook everything off of the wall, I can't even I can't even imagine. Oh, it's I mean, get a bass amp like a SVT or what have you. That's 300 and that's just true. run a guitar into it and open it up. It's awesome. It sounds like that sounds like tinnitus waiting to happen, but put some earplugs in or <laughs> even like a an old Marshall. You know, we got that super bass at the shop and Right. I mean, that that kicks it out, man. That's only 100. That's true. You know, only 100. Yeah. yeah. Or the triple rack. I mean, I got a triple rack at the house, and that thing lays it down, man. Like, it's it's pretty pretty loud. No lie. So we've talked a lot about the guitars and the pedal, or the pedals and the amps, rather, but we haven't really got into guitars too much. Um, I've, I don't know what all you have. I know you, I, I've seen you uh, frequently, like, in, there's a picture of you with a Gretsch. Yeah, I really like that one. And what, what do you got in the stash, and what's your favorite? Oh, man, lots of them. I honestly don't know how many. I think it's probably like 20 at this point, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot. Um, the number one electric is the Iceman. It's an IC400. Mm -hmm. I 
I think it's a Korean-made guitar. It might be Japanese, but I think it's Korean. Um, but that's like my number one. That's like my favorite. Uh, it just sounds great. You know, it's surprisingly, it's a really good clean guitar also. Um, that thing in, with the high watt is just a crushing sound. Because um, it's like big old monstrous slab of mahogany. Oh, yeah, you know? totally. And like many things in life, I like them as big as I can get them. Mm-hmm. So like if they made a bigger guitar, I would have got one. Or if I could have afforded an Explorer at that time, I, I would have got an Explorer. Um, used to rock a similar guitar, Dean Z, I think it was called. Like just giant, massive, ultra, super huge guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, but that Iceman, that's probably the number one. Then there's the double cutaway Les Paul that's really good. Oh, the thing with that Iceman I should elaborate on, it's got really low output pickups in it. Oh, really? Which, yeah, they're really low. From the factory? No, they're, I think they're like the slash whatever, I don't remember. They're now Nico 2, and I think they're wound at like 7.8 or something like that. Oh, okay. Like pretty weak pickups, mm-hmm. but that's kind of what I like about them. Like I find that weaker, lower output humbuckers just sound better. I think so too. That's um, That's been my experience. Yeah, you get way more definition, and I just prefer them. If I want more boost, I'll just grab a booster pedal. You yeah, know? that's what I've always thought about, especially the same thing with active electronics. I feel exactly the same way for the most part. They hold a, there, there is an application for actives. I got a few guitars that have EMGs in them, and there is, there's a reason that like Metallica sounds like Metallica, and mm-hmm. it's EMGs, man. I mean, also like James and Kirk could play, but um, that those pickups, like they're, there's a response that they get, and it's really like constant. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I think EMGs come into play and actives. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, that's what I what I mean. Obviously, I'm not very uh, not a successful guitar player like them, but that's what I've always kind of been the rub with them is like I'm very dynamic with my playing. Yeah, and you, those kind of kill though that you know. Yeah, they remove it. They're they're really great if you want like consistent chug or like I always come back to the Metallica song "Sad but True" because it, it's rad for one, but two like. The opening note is like an A chord, or maybe mm-hmm. it's an A flat, and it's so heavy. It's so good. Like, it's an A chord, and it's so heavy, you know? <laughs> but that's like that particular sound that that makes, where it's like, jing, and it just rides forever. And yeah. It's like constant. Mm-hmm. That's like the active thing, that's, you know? That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So Iceman's the number one. I didn't know that. I knew you liked that guitar a lot. I didn't know it was the number one. Yeah, that's my favorite. I just found out, and he's been here for a few years, ironically, but uh, Paul Gilbert lives here oh Portland. really yeah i didn't know that i rode the plane with, i didn't we weren't like buddies but we, were, we rode the plane to nam and he was on it like, huh i had no idea yeah i didn't know either I was he like, plays an upside down ice man though oh that's right he does yeah he? this is backwards yeah i like yours better i think me too yeah <laughs> <laughs> the ice man yeah no that guitar is rad that it all goes back to dystopia like i remember i saw dystopia in like 98 maybe mm-hmm. and uh god what's it Dino, I think, is our guitar player's name. I can't remember. I didn't like know the dude personally, but if you don't know Dystopia, go out and get Human Equals Garbage, and your life is going to change. Um, regardless, uh, Dystopia's playing, and it, it's like a ripper of a show. Everybody's going nuts, and they, he breaks the string. He used to play like, it was either a purple or a green Iceman. I think it was the green one that he had that night, but he's got this Iceman. That's the coolest guitar. I mean, it's a punk band, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and he's got an Iceman. Like, it's just so different and just way cool so he breaks a string and everybody's like oh dude this is weak like what are they gonna do (laughs) and he pulls out a second ice man he's like i got it don't worry the coolest thing in the world like Mm -hmm. purple ice man just comes out of nowhere and everybody just goes bananas so that kind of cinched it up for me i was like i gotta have one of those that's the coolest guitar that's awesome that is really funny so that that does answer a question i was gonna ask you i was like who's who's some of your musical heroes um for like rock you mean 
whatever. I really like Mac Dre. I mean, to me, that dude kind of just took it and did it way too good and way too big. Too bad the man's dead, but you know, I, I really got hold that guy in pretty high regard. Mm-hmm. You know, um, then with rock, like Social Distortion, I really like that band. Oh yeah, they're pretty good. Love like, Social D. Les Paul in a basement and just plug it in. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know, I kind of love that setup and that, that that rips. It sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah he's, he's got some of amazing. my favorite straight ahead rock and roll guitar tone. Is Social D by a yeah, long shot. it's it's incredible. Metallica as well, really like them. Um, Slayer, of course. Lately, I've been really into Municipal Waste. Okay, because they're nice. just <laughs> awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those thrash bands and it's a punk band that that really changed me uh, from Oakland called El Dopa. That I, I mean, that I still listen to that record like pretty regularly. It's you know, it's crust or whatever. It's pretty gnarly, but awesome, awesome band. Were you in the scene with those guys? Yeah, we played with them a few times. Cool. They were older and so like cooler and you know we were like eighteen we couldn't play at Annie's or nothing like that or covered wagon, so not till we got older didn't get to play all those shows. So here's a here's one I've been trying to work into the rotation at the request of uh, some of the listeners and uh, I think it's kind of an interesting question. It'll be really interesting to see your take on it. But what is your favorite boss pedal? Uh, the tuners are great. Yeah, TU2, TU3. No, but on the real, those things are really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, they work excellently. And I talk about it gold standard. They're indestructible. Yeah, they don't break. Um, What are the other ones that I I like? Oddly enough, the CS3. uh, Oh, no, you know what it is? The TR2. The TR2? Yeah, not because it sounds good. Uh, It does sound good, but the design on that is, like, incredible. Um, Specifically, the, the layout of the circuit board is just... Uh, whoever did that's really smart <laughs> like that thing should not be as quiet as it is it's, they've just they've got it laid out right yeah mm-hmm. it's it's brilliant um that's another one we're talking about you know up and comers buy one of those anyone who's like listening and wants to like learn how to make guitar pedals buy a tr2 tear it down and figure out why it sounds good okay it's all there you'll see it but um there's a reason and the layout is amazing that's interesting that's mm-hmm. very very interesting all right, well, we're getting down to the kind of the the hour mark here, and I I gotta ask you the big question. Mm-hmm. This is the one that people get kind of worked up about. What kind of pizza do you like? Uh, I like Hawaiian pizza, actually. Ah, oh, get out of here! Yeah, it's one oh, of my no. favorites, man. Uh, that's what I had last time we got pizza. Uh, that's what I always end up ordering. Hawaiian pizza. Yeah, I I did not take you for a Hawaiian pizza guy. Yeah, I mean, I I did get down on it, dude. It's that or like, I'm not that picky. I mean, I'll pretty much as long as it's not like exotic. The, the ones that have like. Curry, whatever, broccoli, all that BS. Nah, dude. Nah. Like Hawaiian's kind of getting out on a limb for me, but that's what I end up getting. Um, other than that, like cheese pizza's good too. Mm-hmm. You got a favorite local spot? Hammy's is where I usually go. Hammy's. I've yeah. never been there. Um, it's in Southeast Portland. They're great. Uh, really salty, but I mean, it's pizza. What do you expect? You right. Know? And then there's another spot, Rovente, that... Oh, I've heard that's awesome. Yeah, it's unnecessarily expensive, but it's good. Okay. I'll have to check that out. I've heard, I've definitely heard good things. It used to be dirty cheap, man. You could get an, a large or extra large cheese takeout for eight bucks. Not anymore. No, but that was like a lot. I mean, dude, trust me. That was, that was a, you finished one of them. You're probably not going to want another one. You know, <laughs> you were done. Not for that day, at least. Nice. Very nice. Anything else you want to say to the people before we knock off for the, uh, the main episode here? Um, I mean, not really just, uh, be, be good people. Don't be a jerk you know that works like i don't know try try to do something nice for somebody and, and help your friends and people that aren't your friends out mm-hmm. that's kind of all i got 
That sounds pretty good, man. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for coming on. This is way overdue. I'm glad, really glad we got to do it. Yeah, me too. Finally put it together. Yep. Yeah, thanks for having me. For sure. Anytime. All right, everybody. For Jack, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There you go, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in and sticking around and hanging out and all that good stuff. You want to check out all the Mr. Black stuff, and I highly recommend that you do. Some of my favorite pedals out there. Uh, Blood Moon is actually one of my favorite reverb pedals ever. Go ahead and go to MrBlackPedals.com and check all that stuff out. Your ears will thank you. Trust me. I personally have been playing them for a long time, and they're, they're some of my favorites. So, yeah. Other than that, if you want more tone mobbery and nonsense, slide over to patreon.com slash tone mob, whereas for as little as, wow, my talker is like broken today. It's no good. For as little as $5 a month, you get an extra episode every week of tone mobbery and nonsense delivered right to whatever podcast player you're using. And uh, yeah, you can check all that out over at patreon.com slash tone mob. And yeah, until next week, we'll we'll be hanging out. I got some really awesome guests lined up. I think you guys are going to be really excited to see some of these new ones. I can't I can't drop it just yet, but I'm in talks. I'm in talks with some some people you want to hear from. So, we'll we'll try to make that happen. Until then, share this with a friend, a family member, coworker, sibling, something. Yeah, cuz a sibling's not a family member. What am I talking about? Share it with somebody. If you really enjoyed this, I, I would really appreciate it if you could recommend this to somebody else because that's how uh, that's how podcasts grow is when the the audience tells tells a friend that's that's what we need that's what we need around here so thank you very much for everyone that has done that and for everyone that has left nice reviews on iTunes and any of the other places you guys want to leave, leave reviews that helps a lot so I'll talk to you guys next week thanks bye one last thing before we totally sign off here I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got 
three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I cannot be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.